Okay, hello. Today is the 17th of Sivan. Uh, we're up to chapter 6, Parak Vav, part 2 of 3. So, dun dun dun, we are in the middle of a conversation. The entirety of Shariah Bemuna is all about a conversation about what it actually means that God is one. Why are we talking about that? Because we're trying to get to this place of, I actually learned recently that, you know how um, the whole first chapters of Tanya were all based on this Pesach Kikar Lacha? I probably said it like 18,000 times, like... Every time we a new chapter, I'd be like, so back to the beginning of why we're talking about this. But essentially, that's what we're saying. That this thing is very close to you in your heart, in your mind, that you should be able to do it. What is this thing that's very close to you? Literally, an x-ray vision, intimate relationship with Hashem and with your purpose of the, in this world. An experience of like, wow, I actually know who I am. I know what my mission is. I know that I'm a part of it and I can now go do it and feel it and experience it because I'm so, it's so close to me. I'm so one with it. And I was learning recently that actually it, the entire of Tanya is based on that Pasuk, which means also Shariah Chabemunah. And if you think about it, it actually makes a lot of sense because based on the introduction of Shariah Chabemunah, where the altar was telling us that like, we have this mission to love God. We have this divine What's the word? Like divine, pro, not protocol, like divine. Um, Responsive. Yeah, I guess so. Like, whatever. Divine calling, I guess you could say. Um, to like lean into this relationship with Hashem via hap, like the, the ahafta part, you know what I mean? Bilvavcha part. And it's like the altar is basically telling us that for you to actually have this experience fully and authentically, you have to be able to intellectually understand what is actually reality. You have to be able to see reality clearly. And literally, Shariah Chavamunah is opening our eyes and expanding our consciousness to, to re-understand the life that, we were, that we're already a part of. So, and to understand that literally the life that we're living is literally Achdos Hashem, is completely unified. Everything is completely unified with Hashem. And the implications of that, what happens from that state of literally of nothing being left behind, of every inch of reality on this sphere and on the higher spheres and the physical reality and the spiritual reality and my life and the lives around me. And when every inch of reality becomes one with Hashem, what's left is love of Hashem. And how that translates into that is a good question. (laughs) I think that's something that you kind of have to experience more than intellectualize. And it's interesting. Alter didn't really tell us why learning about the unity of Hashem leads to love of Hashem. Personally, like, I've had that experience of, like, when I'm, like, so, when I'm, like, stressed and, like, a state of, like, oh my gosh, things aren't going right, this is bad, whatever. Like, when I can tap into that place of, like, wow, this is actually Hashem, it, do- it opens up my heart. You know what I mean? It's like, wow, I'm actually okay here, you know? Like, that experience of, like, okay here and, like, oh my gosh, thank you, Hashem. Like, that... That's the key curve that we're talking about in a way. It's like experiencing Hashem in your life. Anyways, I'm talking very hypothetically right now. So let's just, I'm, I'm going to go inside because I guess let's just keep following author of advice, which is he didn't even tell us how one is going to lead to the other. For now, he's just like, to get to that place of really loving God, you have to understand what unity of God means. Now we're talking about what unity of God means. So we started by saying that. Literally, everything is only the Devar Ha'aya within it. Everything is only Hashem's speech within it. The speech of Hashem that's within it isn't only in it, but it is constantly being made within it. Hashem is constantly breathing reality into being, which literally 
is like everything is alive with Hashem's breath. And not only is it alive with Hashem's breath, what it is, is only Hashem's breath. It's not like you could take, a, take it apart, and as we're going to see in end of today's Sanya and tomorrow's Sanya, that with a body and soul, right? You could take the soul out of the body and the body remains. It's not like that with reality. In rea- with reality, and inclu- with a body too, with, with everything, the Hashem that's within it, the soul of everything, is the thing itself. Without the soul, without the, without the Hashem breathing it into being, it's not like there would be the keli left. Everything, would, everything, it would go away. It would be as if it never existed. Because the entirety of each thing has only ever been Hashem. Specifically in, in this chapter, what we've been talking about is this concept of Havaya Hu Ha'alekim. That Hashem, this, this name of Hashem that represents abundance and shefa and, you know, open revelation of godliness and like the experience of like Hashem revealing himself that that is actually one and the same with Elikim. What is Elikim? Elikim is Tzimtzum, Gevura. It's Hashem making it seem like he's not here. It's Hashem creating these Kalim where it now reality looks like reality. And what we've been talking, what we've been saying is that the Kali and the Or are one thing. There's actually no difference between the reality, the container that is holding Hashem's light and Hashem's light. Everything is actually Hashem's light. Everything is actually Hashem's revelation. So, um, I'm just going to read inside because... Okay. So, from this mutual inclusion of, the, of Hashem's attributes, Hiskalos Hamidas is a constant Hasidus that it talks... Like, in the Hasidus, it talks about this word a lot, Hiskalos Hamidas. And basically, Hiskalos Hamidas is what is the experience of all the midas basically being able to be intertwined with each other because they are all part of a greater whole. When a midah becomes separate from you, and it's actually in IFS world, it's like very, it's, it's, it's called when something is like exiled. When a part of you becomes separate from the wholeness of who you are because either you've been shamed about it or you've had to dissociate from it for some reason and it becomes separate from you, there's no hiskalalist there. There's no inclusion there and now that thing actually will kind of destroy your life (laughs) because it's not part of the wholeness of who you are so now but it's still part of you it's still you know so but if it's on it's coming from the outside in it's not really included inside of you it's going to cause problems but his scholars true his scholars which is the state of hashem which because hashem is perfect is when all of his midas are united within him there's no Mida that's saying, oh, but Gevura over here, I am too strong for you, Chasid. And Chasid is saying, oh, no, I can't handle Gevura because I'm too... It's like there's none of that with Hashem. With Hashem, every sphera is reflecting each other. Every sphera is united with each other. And they're all, they're all there for the same purpose, which is Hashem. <laughs> it's like they're all just expressions of the higher self, which is God. And it's literally crazy. It's like when we are in our most aligned state, we literally reflect this, like, salam alaykim, like, for real. Like, we're made in the image of God. It's, I, I ha- this is the first time I'm really realizing that connection. Like, the hiskalos hamidas of Hashem is really our ultimate state of being in a state where all of my midas, all of my parts are, in a sense, it's not only living in harmony, because harmony could sound like they just get along. 
You know, they don't bother each other. It's more than that. It's that they're all united to such an extent that I have no fragmentation inside of me. I have no, there's almost no fight because there's, there's nothing inside of me that is fighting something else. There's nothing inside of me that's taking up the space of another thing. All of, every part of me lives in freedom, in the reflection of my higher self. And that's, that's essentially what we're saying about Hashem, that his chesed reflects his higher, his, his atzmas. His gevur reflects his atzmas. What does that mean? His revelation and creation reflects his atzmas and also his tzimtzum and, his, and the nature of life and the limitations of life. That also is only ever a reflection of the higher self, which is atzmas. For since they are in a complete unity with him, all the spheres, therefore they are united with each other and incorporated with each other. I, I, I know I just talked about this for five minutes, but I could talk about this for like 25 minutes. Like just how literally like this is IFS textbook. That when your sphere, when your midas are united with your higher self, then they become united with each other. It's like when siblings... It's like how siblings fight in a... All siblings fight to an extent. You know what I mean? And even parts of me will have opinions. You know what I mean? But in an ideal world, in a home where the parents are, are strong enough, and not strong enough like... Strong enough like mature enough, emotionally mature enough to hold the fullness of all their children... And to say, I don't love one child more than the other. You know what I mean? All my children are held in, under the bosom of their mother. You know, Naturally, what, hap- what would happen in that home is that the children are no longer antagonizing each other. The children are no longer antagonists towards each other because they have no reason to be. They are all, uh, they are all allowed to live in this beautiful home called mom. They are all wanted in that home. They are all expressions of that home. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's literally what we're saying about God, that because all the spheres are one with him, they are all one with each other. It's a passage from uh, the Zohar. You are he who binds together the spheres. There is no unity among those attributes. Apart from you, there's no unity among the spheres, meaning that the unity of the spheres is the consequence of them being united with Hashem himself. Okay, and this is what it's written, and this is getting to the meat of today's Tanya, and it's pretty short in Hebrew because it's just very powerful. But and this is what it's written, and this goes back to the first Pasuk that we talked about in Shari from chapter 1. Take it unto your heart that Havaya is Elikim. And then we said, after that, in the heavens above and in the earth below, there's none else. And the question we asked in, Parak, in chapter 1 was like, okay, like you're going to think that there's a God swimming in the ocean? Or you think that there's a, there's a God like hiding in one of the trees on the earth? Like, what do you think? Of course there's only one God. But what we're saying here, we're, we're tying all together right now, and we're saying it, ki Hashem perish, that these two names, the meaning of this is that these two names, which are Havai and Elikim, are actually and literally one. Shagam Shem Elikim, Hametzamsim Mamalim Ha'ar, that even the name Elikim, which is the thing that symptoms and conceals and contracts the light, is also a quality of chesed, like Shem Havaya. 
Because the attributes of Hashem, the midas of Hashem, are united with Him in a complete unity. And Him and His name are one. For His attributes are His names. So, Hashem's name, Havaya, isn't only... Like, we know this also from before. Like, it's crazy how... I had no idea about this, about that it's literally like a ladder. Like, if you skip one rung, you could jump to the next one, but you're missing an important piece of information that actually helps you understand the next one even more. And like what we talked about in the previous chapter was that a name of something isn't random. A name of something is actually the expression of what it actually is. Like that word world example of like the barn looking like B-A-R-N. Okay, so that's, when you, when you see, see world world, you can understand this so much better. It's like the barn, it, the word barn is, is the barn, exactly. The, the letters that create something, the name of something, is the expression of what it actually is. It's the keli, which is holding what it actually is. But as we know now, the keli and the R is actually the same. So it literally is what it actually is. Um, and in this case, we're saying that the names of God are expressions of that quality of Hashem. Shem Havaya isn't just like, oh yeah, my name is Joe. Joe doesn't necessarily express who Joe is. Shem Havaya is expression of the quality of Havaya, which the quality of that part of Hashem, which is Chesed. Elikim is the expression of the quality, that quality of Hashem, which is Gevura. It's a lot of Kabbalistic things. Don't worry too much if you're not getting every single part of this. I'm not either. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, so basically we're saying that the names of Hashem are one. Okay, so what is it? Okay, so now we're getting to the practical part and this is the whole rest of the tiny day is basically the most practical part of it. Of what does it mean? Why does it matter? What does it matter that Hashem who Hashem who that Hashem and Elikim are one, that Havaya and Elikim are one. If Havaya and Elikim are one, that means that the Chesed and the Gevura are one. That means that Hashem, as he comes through revelation, spiritual, abundant, flow, this is obviously God. And Hashem, as he comes through Elikim, which is nature, concealment, reality as it looks, that those are one and the same. What, what does that lead to? What does that mean? In Cain, Memele, it becomes obvious. Memela is like, consequently, like the natural result of that is that, what do you know? Teda, You will then know that in the heavens above and on the earth below, there is nothing else. There is literally, there is literally only God. And this goes back to the beginning question of like, so what, we're going to think that there's a God swimming in the ocean? No, it's not that. It's perish. This means that even in the earth below, right? We're saying that the ha'aretz mitachas v'ashemayim mimal, and that even in the earth below, which looks like a yesh gamar le'ain kol, that my, our eyes are looking at reality and saying, "This is what it is." How often do we say that? Literally, it is what it is. It is what it is. That's like the definition of like yesh, yesh, yesh. Literally, yesh is isness. It is what it is. It is what it is. It's not what it is. It never is what it is. It always is what God is. Always. That's what we're saying here. He, I, and the Ephes Mamesh, the Gabi HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is literally nothing in, compar- in comparison, in relation to the Hashem that's within it. Kishem, meaning that if you took away the Hashem within it, it would literally be nothing. So all it really is now is God. 
because the name Elohim obscures the light of the Tachtainim, obscures us being able to see it. But to Hashem, He sees reality clearly, and He sees that literally all of reality is only ever one with Him. Therefore, the earth and even that which is below the earth and just notice that for a second. Like we know by now science knows a little bit about the earth, okay? Think about what's below the earth. First of all, that means outer space below the earth, but also it means the insides of the earth. Every like we think about every leaf, and we get used to that example of like, oh, every leaf on the tree is a shakapratis. The wind of the tree, it fell and it, it it laid on top of the caterpillar. Everything is a shakapratis, right? Don't cut the leaf off the tree because it's Hashem is putting it there for a reason. But this is saying which means take that, take that moment of the hashkacha practice of the leaves and literally let it go into the hashkacha practice of the things inside of the globe, the volcanic rock that is flowing in the middle of the globe, like all of it. Everything literally is only God. So it's literally not called by any name at all, even by the name Od. So, and this is also the case of the body, which is subordinate to the soul. It's also not called Aid. I'm explaining soon. So, what we're saying is that the body is the is almost secondary to the soul. That without the soul, there. There is no life in the body. But what we're going to see soon, and yet, even though that's a pretty good example, that just like in reality, reality is only what it is because Hashem is within it. And without that, it's not even owed. It's not even anything. The difference between the body example and the world example is that for the world, for the body, if the soul leaves the body, the body exists. For the world, it's Mamish only Hashem to the extent that if Hashem were to take himself away from it, there would be no more world. Um, the Hashem himself, he brings everything into existence. Everything is completely nullified in relation to him. And Okay, so just to summarize quickly what, what we just said, specifically about this part of Shemaim Ma'avahas is what is the significance of that? What is the significance of us saying that we do this a lot. I do this a lot. I make differentiations a lot between heaven and earth, between Shemaim and Aretz. There is revelation of God. There is spirituality. There is where Hashem is. And then there is the other stuff. There is the Aretz. There is, and then there is the Mitachas Aretz, which is really... The mistakes that I made that, oh my God, my life is going to be messed up forever because of those mistakes. And, you know, the parts of me that because of those things, I just will never be able to uh, whatever. Or the things that are wrong in my life or the story, that whatever it is. Like, and we make separations. I, I make separations between, oh, Hashem is everything, but not that. And what Alter is teaching us here is that is that 
there is literally nothing in this world that we can ever separate. It's all one. It's all one. And it's like, as when, it, when you think that, it, and then it's like, oh, but it's like, no, that too. Everything is one with Hashem. And what the implication of everything one with Hashem means is that everything is on purpose. I mean, we could, we could think of a whole list right now, but everything is on purpose, right? Everything is intentional. Everything is made in love. Everything is not just like random, but is literally here for you, like from the creator of you for the purpose of the divine plan of all of creation. Like there's so, and, and that, all of that applies to every detail of life. Every detail. There's, no, there's nothing, nothing, nothing left behind here. And just one small example that I experienced the other day on, on the plane ride here on, when I was on, flying on Sunday. And I was like preparing Tanya on the plane. And it was such an interesting moment because I was, think, I was in the middle seat. And the girl, I was sitting between two people. And the girl next to me, her, she had the window closed the entire time. It's like my biggest pet peeve. People. Literally. It's my biggest pet peeve because I'm like, what? Especially leaving like... Don't have a window seat. Why do you have a window seat? If you're giving me a window seat. I mean, it's because she wants to be comfortable. I I get it, but like, first, it it was making me so nauseous. I like need to look out the window on planes to not feel nauseous, first of all. And then also the... So there was that. But then on top of that, I was having this thought where I was trying to learn Tanya and it was so dark and like, whatever. I was trying to learn Tanya and I kept on thinking like, wow, you know what? It would have been so cool if I can come to Tanya tomorrow and, you know, talk about the unity of God and all this stuff and tell everybody that I had this experience where I was looking out the window of the plane and seeing the mountains and the trees and the nature and the ocean and the clouds and being like, oh my God, this whole world is one with God. And I, like, I, was, I was like so excited to say that. And then I was like so pissed because I was like, I won't be able to say that because I can't look out the window. But then I realized and even her closing the seat that I'm in is ain't owed. Like me sitting nauseous, watching a movie, in this moment with the window closed, it's smelling on the plane. It was so freaking hot. It was just like such an uncomfortable plane ride. And I'm like, this moment, this moment is that same Enor Movade as that experience of looking out the window and seeing the heavens and like literally. Really? And it's like, it was just such a, it was like such a, sh- it was like a DOS moment for me of what the author was saying here. Like, like yeah, those moments of like looking out the window of an airplane and being like, wow, obviously God is revealed here. Like, yeah, that's obviously God. That's obviously God. For sure. Awesome. But the novelty of Shariah Muna is that even when you're sitting in the middle seat of the airplane, which is kind of like the Aretz, the, the Elekim, the Gevura, the Tzimtzum, the places of life that it's just like, hey, this is just what it is. This is just the consequence of me not paying for a seat. Or this is just, you know, next time I'll figure, whatever. But like the, the things of life that are just kind of like what they are, you know, those things are as much united with the unity of God and with this ultimate truth that literally there is nothing separate from God and that everything is divine revelation and everything is Hashem communicating in love to us. As that experience of looking out the window and seeing the heavens, sunrise and sunset, like it's it's literally the same thing. It's ein od. Havai hu alakim. The chesed is one with the gevura. Bashamay mimaal v'al aras mitachas ein od. So that's Tanya for today. It's pretty wild. It's continuing tomorrow. Where we're we gonna say this basically again. <laughs>